You are listening to number 158 of the Pioneering Today podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be diving into looking at this year's garden, and this is going to apply if you are doing raised garden beds, container gardening, regular in-the-ground gardening, basically any type of growing your own food, and how to look at this year's garden and harvest, how to analyze it so that you have a better and improved garden that works for you and your family's needs right now. Because I think one of the things that we sometimes forget about, especially if you have been gardening for a while, I think this is true in any area of our life, is if we've been doing something for a while, we kind of get stuck in a rut. Now, don't get me wrong. When you do things for a long time and you build up experience, You've learned from past mistakes, so you do make things easier on yourself. And that, my friends, is a very good thing. And that is one of the goals I always have with the podcast, with the blog, within the Pioneering Today Academy, is to teach you what I've learned so that you don't have to make all of those mistakes and you can find the shortcuts that are okay and that actually work. But I think anytime we've been doing something for a very long time, we can tend to get into a rut and just do things the same way just because we've always been doing them that way. So I think it's always good to take time to step back and do a little bit of a review and then make adjustments going forward. And that's what we're going to do today. At the time of this recording, we are in October, October 8th to be exact. And we are finishing up the majority of the harvest on the homestead. Now I've got a few things. So we haven't had our first killing frost, which is actually highly unusual for us. Normally we have already had a killing frost, sometimes as early as mid-September, usually always by the 1st of October. And what I mean by a killing frost is when you get a really good deep frost that kills off all of your warm weather plants. I mean, everything is obliterated by this frost. So all of your summer squash, tomatoes, and note with tomatoes, if you are planning on canning your tomatoes and you know a killing frost is coming, you need to harvest those tomatoes before they go through a killing frost because if tomatoes are left on the vine, and they are killed, it actually lowers their acidity level even more than it already is. So with tomatoes, we already need to add some form of acid to the jar when we're canning tomatoes. Most of the time we use either citric acid or bottled concentrated lemon juice. But when tomatoes have been on the vine and they go through a killing frost, It lowers the acid level so much that even adding those recommended amounts of citric acid or the bottled concentrated lemon juice is not enough and they are not safe candidates for canning anymore. Now, if you are just picking your tomatoes off of a living healthy vine and then you put them in the freezer to can later, that doesn't change the acidity level and make it a danger to can. It's when they are actually on a vine that dies, that's when it changes that acidity level. So just putting that out there because I learned that, oh, about four or five years ago. I did not know that before then. So we're still bringing in tomatoes from the greenhouse and finishing up 
canning and getting those preserved. And I still have a few straggler zucchinis coming on in. And then, of course, we've got all of our fall crops. Like I said, the grapes and our Brussels sprouts were waiting for that first killing frost because that brings out the best flavor in your Brussels sprouts. And we grow an interlochen table grape. So interlochen is the name of it, the variety of it. But when they go through a frost, they are so much sweeter. So we try to wait to harvest the majority of them until we've had a frost. So this is an unusual year and that we have not had our first killing frost yet. So we're still bringing in some things where normally the harvest would be completely done. But for the majority of the garden, we are in definite fall mode moving into winter. So that's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode and how we take stock of everything in order to plan out for next year. And I want to welcome you to today's episode. If you are a brand new listener, yay. If you are a returning listener, I'm giving you a high five. Welcome back. My name is Melissa K. Norris, and I am the host of the Pioneering Today podcast, also the author of The Made from Scratch Life and the book Handmade. But the Pioneering Today podcast is where we teach families how to grow, preserve, and cook their own food using old-fashioned skill sets and wisdom to create a natural, self-sufficient home with or without the full-on homestead. One of the first things we do when it comes to our fall garden prep is to make sure that we do a really good cleanup. You don't want to leave any diseased plants behind to overwinter, to further infect your soil, or to breed disease. And for a full episode on everything that we do and I recommend for doing with your fall gardening, you're going to want to refer back to episode number 38. I know, going back quite a ways, because this is episode number 158. But you're going to want to refer back to episode number 38, which is 10 tips to improve your soil now with fall gardening prep. And you can find that on the website. So you can always go to melissakeynorris.com, click on the Pioneering Today podcast button, and all of our episodes are listed for you in chronological order. That link will also be in the full-on blog post that accompanies every episode. So you can go to that, which will be for this episode, will be melissakeynorris.com forward slash 158, because it's episode number 158. And the link to that other podcast will be included there for you too. So a couple of ways to get there. But I do want to touch base on it, even though we won't go in full depth there. And that is to do a good cleanup, get rid of the old stuff that's dying out and isn't going to be producing anymore. And that's also when I will do some of our soil amending is in the fall too. After I've cleaned out and where I don't have any winter crops going in, So we do plant our garlic in the fall. So that's a fall crop that gets planted and then it won't be ready to harvest till the next summer. And then I still have, like I said, Brussels sprouts, some of our root crops. We have got both beets and carrots and then kale as well. So those are ones that will keep going even through a killing frost and will keep producing and harvesting for us until we get further into winter. But some of the things I recommend for you to do right now beyond that fall cleanup and or soil amendment is to look at this year's harvest and this year's garden. And this is where I look at the crops that we've grown based upon what we're eating now, because with over 19 plus years of growing my own garden for my own family, 
It has definitely changed in some crops. We use a lot more of some things now than we ever did before and vice versa. I don't really use as much of some crops as I used to. And so I think it's always important for us to look at what we're doing and using now and then plan out next year's garden and crops based on that. For example, for us, I didn't used to use as much green bell pepper in my cooking, but I have several different recipes and even just tossing them into some of our soups and stews really like the flavor more than I used to, and so does the rest of my family. For us, I need to increase our bell pepper plants. We did not have enough this year. I would have loved to have preserved a lot more than I was able to. The plants that I did have themselves produced quite prolifically, and so they did really well. I just needed more volume. On the flip side, I planted quite a few jalapenos, and I use jalapenos in sometimes when I make enchiladas and, of course, in doing up home canned salsa, but I overplanted. We didn't use near the amount of jalapenos. I don't like hot and spicy My husband loves hot and spicy, so he will do candied jalapenos, but he's the only one that eats those. And then I do use some of the jalapenos, as I said, in canning our salsa, but I had way more jalapenos than we could ever eat just because it's not one of my main favorites. So I can decrease my jalapeno crops and increase the bell peppers. So I'm making note of that for next year. So that's what I mean. Look at what you planted, how much those plants produced, and then decide, do I need to increase, decrease, or keep it the same? So my green beans and my tomatoes, I have found the sweet spot on how many we need, and that has not changed, but I do look at it each year. This year, my husband thought we had too many tomato plants, but I disagreed. And beings, I do most of the tomato harvesting and preserving and cook with them a lot. I'm going to keep it the same. And even though I will look at the food that we have preserved when it actually comes to seed starting time and planting the garden and then base calculations off of that, because my goal is with our garden, not just our fresh eating, but to take that produce and preserve it to last us the entire year until the next growing season. But this is a really good time of year when you're coming fresh off the harvest and it's all right there in your mind to make these notes and then use them when it comes to our growing season, when we get closer to doing our seed starting and all of that further in the year. But if you have those notes handy now, it just expedites the process faster for you moving forward. Another thing that I like to do is to take a look at the way our harvest went down. So of course, if you had any crops that were suffering from disease, if you had a lot of blossom and rot, if you had fungal disease, if you had blight, then you're going to want to look at amending your soil, seeing what it could be deficient in. And we've got further episodes on that. And I will link to that as well on testing your soil. But I will make notes of certain crops right now, because like I said, it's fresh that didn't do so well. And maybe it was a pest invasion. But take notes if you had crops that really didn't produce how you wanted to or disease or pests wiped them out. Just make some notes, just some quick notes on what happened. And then you have until at least a few months this time of year to work on that. So doing more research or seeing what you need to do when in order to fix that. But another thing I like to do is look back on the harvest and determine if maybe you could have done some more succession planting or if you should have. So what do I mean by that? 
With our extended growing season, which I said is a little bit unusual for us to be this far into the year without that killing frost, if I had planted some additional zucchini and cucumber plants about two to three weeks after the first plants that I put in, then I would still be having a lot larger harvest on those second planting plants because our growing season was extended. As it is now, we are starting to hit those cooler temperatures, which definitely slows down production. But the plants themselves were kind of at the end of their life. So if you find that you planted all of your plants at one time, and that they just were spent or they, of course, if it's like a carrot or a beet, well, it only gets so big before you need to harvest it, right? But look and see if maybe you should plan a little bit more succession planning in there so that you had smaller harvests at one time, but longer. And that can be beneficial so that you don't have this huge glut of everything all at once. And then you can take your time preserving and harvesting it longer and in smaller amounts. Another thing that I like to do is evaluate the growing season. Now, sometimes you can just have an off year. For example, this year, as I said, we are having an extremely long growing season, which is not normal. And this is the first year that we've had this. But if over the next three or four years, our first frost is pushed back into October and we don't get it in September, then with that being repetitive, where it feels like it's kind of the new norm, so definitely more than one season. I would not make changes based off a weather pattern for just one year. I'm talking multiple, multiple, multiple years in a row. But if it looks like it has changed and it's going to stick around, then I would evaluate and I would look at planting some things like I said, in succession, so doing multiple plantings of things because it would last longer and do a full growing season, and or choosing some varieties that take longer to come to harvest because I would have that time. Now, I'm not making those changes this year because it's just been one year. But one interesting thing, and I was actually talking, my neighbor and I are both born and raised here, pretty much lived in this area our entire lives. And we both agree since we were kids, boy, do I sound like an old timer right now. But since we were kids, the weather especially over the summer and the winter months, has changed here for where we live in the Pacific Northwest. We used to have much colder winters. I'm talking freezing, lots of snow, deep freezes where the ponds would freeze over. And when I was younger, my dad would have to take an axe, chop out at the middle of the pond. He would chop out the ice in order for our cattle to drink. That doesn't happen anymore. We haven't had that happen in probably close to two decades. We'll get some snow, but not like we used to and not even like when I was little. We'll just have some for a short period of time and then it usually goes away. And we'll get down and have cold nights or a run of maybe three or four days where it's down in the teens. And then that will usually break and we'll kind of warm back up and be in the 30s, 20s at night, 30s during the day, sometimes the 40s. Now, on the flip side, in the summertime, we used to have really cool and rainy summers We rarely had long extended periods without rain. It was actually hard to grow tomatoes and peppers because we were always inundated with rain and therefore that means blight or just not enough hot sunny days. It didn't seem for things to really ripen like they just really suffered from being on the cooler side. But it has been over five years in a row now 
we just went on the fifth year where we each year is a record-breaking drought, unfortunately, for this area. So we're having less rainfall in the summer. Our annual rainfall is actually about the same, but we're having less rain in the summer. And we're having a lot longer summers for the most part and hotter. So we're having consistently hot, sunny days, more days in a row without any rain. And because we kept thinking like the first year it happened, like, woohoo, like we actually got a summer this year. This is kind of nice. And this is kind of crazy, even though having fire danger and droughts is not a great thing. But we get what the weather is, right? So we can choose to just take advantage of what it's given us no matter what and take precautions where need be or not. And I just choose to enjoy what I cannot change or try and find a way to find the positive and what I cannot change. And then the second year, it was like, man, we had a really dry summer last year. We had a really dry summer this year. I bet next year is going to be really wet. Well, we're going like on our fifth summer and it's pretty much a holding pattern now. So knowing that, I am putting more of my peppers and my heat-loving things like basil. I'm not keeping all of that in the greenhouse anymore. I'm actually planting that out in the regular garden, and it is doing fabulous. And we're also able to plant almost a week or two earlier. So not only are we extending the growing season on the fall side, we kind of are getting extra of our growing season in the spring. I do still look at the weather, and I'm cautious with putting out my stuff too early. But that's kind of been the pattern. And being since going on five years in a row, again, sometimes it's a gamble. That's becoming the new normal for us. So I kind of look at that and I've been adjusting my dates slowly on when I'm planning things. But I still keep an eye on the forecast, right? On what is predicted and go by that each year. But you may notice a change in your area. I know in one of the past episodes we had this past spring when I was talking with Lori Neverman from Common Sense Home, And we were talking about how to make the land you have and using extremes and gardening around them so that you make the situation that you have productive for you. And they're the opposite. They are getting colder weather and their winters are starting earlier. They're more severe and they're lasting a lot longer. It depends on where you live, but I think it's important to pay attention to some of those changing things with your climate and adjusting your gardening around that. One last thing I do this time of year, if you didn't do it earlier, which it's not open for enrollment now, but is what we're going through in the Pioneering Today Academy, but I'm sharing it with you guys on the podcast as well. But if you did not take note of your crops, you want to take note where everything was planted this year. So as you're doing that fall cleanup, most of the stuff is still in its original spot or you remember from this year's garden. Oh yeah, I had my broccoli in this corner of the garden. If it's still visible, take a picture. Just use that phone, take a picture. You've got it on there. So then when you go to plant this coming spring, you know where you need to practice your crop rotation. Now, if you already did it in the springtime, then you don't need to worry about it now. But for those of you who forgot or you just didn't know, now is a good time to do that if you didn't do it earlier. So quick recap. One, clean up your garden enter into that fall cleanup, look into doing soil amendments, make notes on your harvest. If you need to increase, decrease, stay the same. Make any notes on if any plants did not do good or you had specific pests or diseases in order to get those researched and fixed for next year, if possible. Take notes on your climate. So if there's been any extension or patterns over a long period of time, that may be able to mean you plant 
It may be you get a plant earlier, which means longer growing season, hallelujah, but it could be the opposite. It may mean you need a plan not to put your garden in quite so early because you keep getting it wiped out with cold weather or it struggles because it's not quite warm enough. Then lastly, take note of where everything was in order to practice crop rotation for next year's planting. I hope you found this episode of the podcast helpful. And now on to our verse of the week, which is how we wrap up pretty much every episode. This is from Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, and this is the Amplified Translation of the Bible. And going a little farther, he threw himself upon the ground on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, not what I desire but as you will and desire. And if you're familiar with this passage at all, just a little bit of context, this is talking about when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's right before he goes to be crucified and is betrayed by Judas, and he knows what is coming. But I think what big takeaway I got from this is oftentimes I will approach prayer or approach God when I'm praying and I will pray with what I want to happen. And I think that's normal human nature. I think that's quite normal. But we will make requests of God, which he asks us to come to him, right? He asks us to talk to him. He asks us to pray, which is simply talking with God. I mean, that's really what praying is. And there's different forms of prayer, but essentially it's an open communication between Jesus and God and us, which because Jesus died on the cross, we have that open communication. The veil was torn and we're able to approach God and to talk with him. But as I said, I often go to him and I'm asking what I want, what I think is best or what I hope happens, what I want him to make happen. And I need to approach it more often and come before him and ask him for his will to be done and not mine. Because I can't see the whole big picture like he can. None of us can. We don't get to see all of that. We don't know what he sees and what he's got planned for us and what's going to happen down the road. But he does. And so when we go forth and say, Lord, your will be done, not mine, it's showing trust and faith that he is sovereign and that he is good and he has good things planned for us. But it also reminds us when things don't go as we wanted or as we had planned, it's okay if we remember that God's in charge and if we ask him for his will to be done, that even when things seem bad, and I'm not saying life's a better roses and that this is just going to make everything okay if you pray this way. But what I'm saying is when I go before God and I say, okay, Lord, your will be done, help my heart to want what you want. And to be okay trusting in you, knowing that as long as I'm following you and your word, then whatever happens, you've got me and it's going to be okay. Bad stuff does still happen. But knowing that God's got it planned out and that I just need to hang tight for him makes it a lot easier to get through it. Even those hard spots when I give up my control to him and rest in his sovereignty. So I'm sharing that with you mainly because I need to remember your will be done, Lord, and not my own. Maybe you need to hear that too. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Pioneering Today podcast. I hope you have an amazing week. I hope you found this helpful. 
And I hope that you come back and join me again next week. And if you've got any friends and you enjoyed this episode who you think would benefit from it, I would love it if you would share this with them. So if you're listening to it on the website, we've got lots of those social media things. You can just hit that Facebook button or Pinterest and share it that way. You can copy the link and send it in an email to somebody, or you can even send it to them via the app you're listening to and share this episode with them. Thank you guys. And we'll talk next week. Bye for now.